The Angsty Christian Podcast is a mature show that dives deep into the problematic aspects of the modern church. Some content might not be suitable for all listeners. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. What is going on, bays and gays? Welcome to the Angsty Christian Podcast, where we are celebrating Pride Month. What? Pride Month. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just really want to point out real quick, because this is an audio format of like when Jake and I were screaming, Bio just looking at us, and then she just stopped. And then did yaws and like swiveled her head back and forth a little bit. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I am. Oh shit! Don't break stuff, bro. I, I'm not trying to. I just ran into the desk. Okay. Uh, I am your uh, humble camp counselor, uh, Jake. <laughs> Uh, here to tell you to wear sunscreen and bug spray. Um, <laughs> a fun fact about me this week uh, is that. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, I helped uh, my friend Jackson, a.k.a. Narupu, move down to Austin, Texas. Uh, that, like, we talked about that. Uh, we talked to... Actually, last episode. Yeah, last episode. Yeah. We talked to uh, Jackson Narupu. Uh, and I helped him move down, and uh, his, fa- his place was unfortunately uh, ridden with uh, bed bugs and they bit me all over the place and I think I have an allergic reaction to bed bugs because I broke out in very very bed hives I've been itchy for the last week but uh ayo we're still in pride month we're still happy wait hold on this started on June 1st what if I'm allergic to gay (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Mercury is still in retrograde, so, I mean, it, it, you know, it fits. Man. I, interesting. You know, Mercury being in retrograde is during the beginning of Pride. I'm going to take, I'm going to claim oh. this already as Chaos Bisexual Pride pride Year. Yeah? yeah. Chaos Bisexual Pride Year? Yeah. Dope. I, I can support that. Yeah. Uh, so, to all you chaotic uh, bisexuals out there, um, first of all, do you need help? And second of all, hi, howdy. Well, speaking of chaos <laughs> bisexuals, I was going to say, hey, y'all, this is your chaos bisexual dad, Daniel. Um, and what were the questions? How, how, how am I doing? Uh, all that stuff. We get to the how you yeah. doing later. Oh, yeah, this that's is, right. That's this right. is just yeah, a yeah. fun fact. Yeah, but to my answers to Jake's question. We've only been you doing know, this for a year, Daniel. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But, you know, to answer Jake's question real quick, um, I go to therapy and um, also reduce my own harm through other things. So, you know, we, we out here thriving. Um, my fun fact of the week, um, fuck. Oh, uh, so, you know, there's this company called Zox, Z-O-X, and they have, like, really cool bracelets that all, like, mean something cool. And I've always wanted one, um, but have never gotten one because... I just, I never got one that I wanted. And then they released a Pride one this year. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. So I got one. And I ordered this at the beginning of, like, May. And it didn't come in. And so I checked the tracking. I messaged them. I was like, hey, like, it's been, like, three weeks at that point. And they're like, oh, well, here's the, check the tracking and all that stuff. And if nothing changes, let us know in, like, two days. I'm like, cool. 
So check the tracking, and it went from, so like the, the company is based in Texas, and it got sent out here, and it was like the LA Long Beach area, and then it got sent to fucking Maine, then it came back to Texas, and then back to California, then it got sent to Minnesota, and it kept going like all over the place, so I was like, yo, what the fuck, um, this is not, I don't know what's going on. So, they sent me a new one, which is great, and then the day that the pro- like it processed and shipped uh, was the day that that original package came in. Um, and it's a really cool pride bracelet. It's like rainbow. And then on, if you flip it like inside out, it's a gradient and it says love wins. So you know what? That's, that's pretty cool. That's my fun fact. That's awesome. I'm, I'm very happy for you and all your pride merch. <laughs> I have like two things. Yeah, that's more. I have a flag, I guess. Oh. Uh, I'm Bonnie. Um, I'm the podcast cinnamon roll. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Podcast <laughs> cinnamon roll. I don't know. I'm throwing it back to Tumblr. Uh, and a fun fact about me. Oh, it, since we're all talking about gay shit this week, uh-huh. I got a little frog box. <gasps> And I don't know what's gayer than that. It's really cute. It's like all watercolory, and it's too small to actually put anything in. But I've tried stuffing my birth control in it for now. <laughs> Honestly, why are frogs gay? Oh wait, because I, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the waters, yeah, the, the chemi- water, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chemicals in the water making all the frogs turn gay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But also, frog and toad. Nothing's. That's right. The old like book, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they are canonically gay yeah oh that's so sweet love that love for frog that. and yeah. also toad but like every time that i see a frog like in like something it's always like witchy which also makes sense okay so i just had a whole realization i love frogs <laughs> so i was like oh that makes a lot of sense okay huh frogs are epic yeah they are pretty epic yeah they're my, they were my favorite animal as a kid and i should have known right then and there that I was already down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things looking back where I'm like, huh, that was pretty gay. Well, Frogs gay. were the, uh, like, mascot of my elementary school, which is ironic because oh. the principal of my elementary school spread a l- rumor about me being a lesbian in elementary school. Pri- what the fuck? Yeah. Yay! Wow. Wow. That's she, stupid. Yeah, she said I was, like, too close with one of my friends, which, we were in elementary school, of course we were close friends. Yeah, that's stupid. Who, who, why are you, I think she's projecting some shit onto you. She, I mean, I don't know, I don't know yeah. her, I don't know her story, no reason, but, but... Yeah, that's ridiculous. After all, elementary school is run by the gay! <laughs> <laughs> yes, and is, as is Disneyland, who is apparently hiring... All Satanists or something like that, according to modern Christians, I guess. I don't know. They're being fucking stupid as always. Oh man, did you get that article too? That was messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, in honor of Pride Month, a couple of things that I think are really cool that I've been enjoying. Um, one, Kevin Garcia has new Pride merch, and it's all pretty fucking badass. Kevin Garcia. Yeah. Um, if you know them, please um, message them and say, "Hey, you should go on the AC Christian podcast because um, we're all gay here." Um, that'd be awesome. Um, and second, I got a new tarot deck, and so I'm gonna bring it out here, and I'll probably post pictures up eventually. So I was 
in um, downtown Claremont with my girlfriend, right? And we're going to go check out like a frozen yogurt spot because okay. yeah, I know it's pretty fucking good. And Bro, there was like a and there was like this really cool like magic shop or something like that. Like I, I, I shouldn't say magic shop. I should say white girl mystic shop, white girl witch shop. But it was very aesthetic. It was pretty cool. And they and I and I was looking at some stuff, and they had like some cooking shit or whatever. Um, but then I started seeing that in each of the locations that were like very color or mood specific, they had tarot decks that went or oracle decks that went alongside those moods. So one of them was a deck that I've been looking at for a while. I heard about it in uh, a Patreon I'm a part of, called the Star Spinner Tarot, and it's super beautiful. Like they use just a lot of pastels, but what I really liked about it is that there are I believe four different lovers cards. So there's one which is traditional, masculine with feminine, but there is also a masculine and masculine. There is also a non-binary one. There is also a uh, uh, like sapphic sapphic one, and like they're all beautiful, very diverse. Like all of the people in them as well are like varying like body types, varying like ethnicities that you can tell through like their drawings and stuff. Very beautiful. I've been loving it. It's it has been like it's like as I've been doing the tarot deck, it has on one hand attacked me, but then also healed me in the same draw. So it's really cool. Look up the Star Spinner Tarot if you uh, want a cool tarot deck that is very queer. Yeah, you guys want to look at the cards? I do. Yes. Yeah, they're very beautiful. I will try to remember and post them a picture on Tuesday or Wednesday or something. Um, let me find the actual. Uh, love, like the not actual but the typical lovers one um, but yeah so super cool I really like it um, it was really dope oh yeah and here's the uh, like same sex or not same sex uh, heterosexual one yeah so pretty cool ew the straight lovers I mean I'm in a <laughs> heterosexual relationship or hetero passing relationship even though both of us are bisexual as fuck um and so I put it in there because I was like, oh, it has more to do with me and my girlfriend. Um, but I've also am considering putting the other ones in there as well as I discover more parts of my sexuality and identity and stuff. Okay. I, I'm just saying that it is illegal to be straight this month. It's it's true. It's true. Does yeah. that mean I have to break up with my boyfriend for a month? Yeah, I have to break up with my girlfriend too. <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. babe. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're not can't gay do it. For yeah, me. no, you're not. You can't do it. No. Ha, I'm still single. No gotta break up with nobody. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah. Well, that's Just kidding. What, that's that's kidding. also the the positive part about being envy is that uh, no matter who I date, it's always gonna be a little bit gay. That's very fair. Yeah. That is very fair. Yeah. I'm here for it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm against it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wrong <laughs> I think that's bad yeah. Tr- uh, tricking people yeah, yeah. you're tricking yeah, people yeah. into how being dare you. slightly homosexual how dare, how dare you, you? Um, speaking of which uh, is really funny because um, we're going to be going into an interview that we had via Zoom and I just want to plug in that we do have an after credits um, scene for you um, so please take a listen to that it'll come after the <laughs> outro uh, it'll be like maybe a minute after you know we, we finally say goodbye to y'all for the day um, it's pretty funny I'm not going to say anything else but it is related kind of to what Tony just said <laughs> it's really stupid and funny um, so know that it was just the individual who was speaking being an actual idiot um, yeah. but we still love them so that is okay <laughs> yeah 
And uh, speaking of our Zoom interview, um, we we had a pretty dope conversation with um, David Hayward, aka the Naked Pastor, or as I said, the Naked Pastor, aka David Hayward. Um, so I'm not gonna say much more because I it was just a really cool conversation. We talked about a lot. Um, and a lot of the questions that a lot of you had sent in also had a very common thread um, that David uh, really addresses towards the end of the interview. So um, hope you enjoy it. Um, any triggers for this one? I think like I don't I don't know if he necessarily talks about anything that could be triggering. You can find it in the episode description. If I remember the exact specific triggers that there might have been. <laughs> That's the thing with the episode description is I put things because it's general. We generally talk about church stuff. We generally talk about purity culture. He talks a lot about his own journey. And so. This you know. episode, yeah, I can't think of anything, at least from the interview portion that was. Who knows what yeah. we're going to say after this. Yeah, after this, it could be a lot of, a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just buckle up and uh, get ready for a wild yeah. ride. I, I think yeah. it's really fun. Yeah, get your coffee or your alcohol or weed or cigar, whatever whatever substance you want, if you want to do a substance, um, or if you're exercising right now, then, you know, have fun listening to our voices um, as you do whatever you're doing. I don't care. Get some popcorn. It will be necessary. There will be a quiz. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Necessary items that you're also going to need for listening to this interview section is Diet Coke and also mm -hmm. Mentos. You know yeah. exactly what those two are going to be used makes for. Makes sense, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're also going to need the Sweet Fire Chili. Sweet Fire Chili is the absolute, like, it it's, has to be that flavor. It cannot be Cool Ranch. It cannot be Nacho Cheese. Um, also... All right, everyone, we are super excited for today's uh, special guest. We have, um, you may know him as the Naked Pastor on Instagram, I believe on TikTok as well, um, on your different social medias. Um, so the Naked Pastor, aka David Hayward, um, because that's his actual name. Uh, we are super excited to have uh, David with us. Um, so David, please give us an introduction. Who are you? What do you do? You know, all that, all that good stuff. Well, hey, everybody, and um, everybody out there who's listening in. This is just video, right? I mean, uh, audio, right? It's not video. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's funny. You, people usually say David Hayward, a.k.a. Naked Pastor, but Naked Pastor, a.k.a. David Hayward, that works too. <laughs> um, so I've been, I think people mostly know me for my cartoons, but I'm also a painter and a writer, and I do videos and speaking and you know all that kind of thing but I used to be in the ministry I grew up in the church went to Bible college went to seminary went to seminary again got ordained served the church as a pastor for about 30 years and then in 2010 I decided to leave the ministry and uh, but however in 2005 I started my blog nakedpastor.com and um, decided to try cartooning as a method of communication and getting my ideas out there. Um, so there's about a five-year overlap there. But when I left the ministry, um, make a long story short, I ended up going full-time into working on Naked Pastor and writing books and, you know, stuff like that. So that's what I do full-time now. I'm, I 
I, I draw, I write, I um, facilitate community online, I paint, you know, so that's uh, basically what I do. And I'm across all social media. So if you, if you search for Naked Pastor, I recommend one word, not two words, because you'll see things you can't unsee. <laughs> uh, Naked Pastor, one word, and I'm that's who I am on all social media, including YouTube. So, Yeah, if y'all have not looked at his comics or anything that he has put out, it has been, I know for myself, it's been very helpful, um, especially as I've come, like, not come to terms or come to grips, but as I've slowly begun to come out of the closet with my own sexuality in the last year, um, but also, like, I know a lot of people um, in different communities I'm a part of um, have been really... Uh, I, I hate to use the word blessed, but I'll say blessed because uh, there isn't, I feel like, another better word. Um, yeah. But they've been touched. And so um, for all of us, Dave, I want to say thank you first and foremost. Yeah. Thank you. means a lot. really yeah. does. Because that's why I draw. Uh, you know, this is Pride Month. And I'm sharing a lot of my LGBTQIA plus cartoons and getting them out there, drawing new ones. Because I like helping people feel encouraged and validated and affirmed and included. And so I just have this deep foundational understanding that we're all one and connected and all these diversities are actually a good thing. And um, I, I just like to celebrate that and through my work. So it means a lot. Thanks. Yeah. Jake, did you have a question? Okay, so from our from our lovely Gabe, uh, he is uh, a giant inspiration for us, and also does our petty prayers at the end of every one of our podcasts. Um, he he asks, uh, "Did your faith inspire your art journey, or did it restrict it?" Hmm. Well. Um... That's a good question. So from the very, very beginning, um, I always tried to figure out a way to integrate my spirituality with the rest of my life so that it wasn't sort of compartmentalized. It wasn't like a, a room that I visited in my life or something that it, my spiritual journey was actually my journey. And I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I was a pastor. Some claim I still am. Um, I, I speak and so on. So I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a friend, you know, etc. And all these things are me. And so my art is sort of a, an expression of, of all that I am. So uh, I never found my, you know, spirituality restricting, uh, because I actually use that to um, as a part of uh, one of the many streams in my life that channeled into my art. So it's a good question because I do know, I, I knew, do know some people that approach spirituality that way, that it's sort of a, a part of their life and it can impose restrictions on, on, you know, art. We all know that. I mean, it's a general rule. People know that, that re religion, um, can be, uh, you know, and have animus against art, but I, I never allowed that to happen. So in fact, my cartoons now are pretty, uh, can, can be pretty uh, controversial. 
Um, and then some of my art, for example, my Sophia drawings, um, where she's, you know, partly nude. Uh, I never felt any fear about drawing those or showing those. So, yeah, I, I get the question, but no, it hasn't restricted. It's actually been a channel, one of the streams of the river of, of my life that gets channeled into my art. That's really beautiful. And you, if I remember correctly, I think I um, either heard you on a podcast saying it, or maybe you posted it up on Instagram at one point where uh -huh. um, when you were a pastor and you left, because you started, I believe you said you started deconstructing like the eighties. And then you started doing like these little arts to kind of um, help you process, if I remember correctly. Um, can you talk about that process? I think that's just very interesting. And also like deconstruction is like this new big term in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, you've been you've been on this journey for a while. We've talked a bit about mm -hmm. it from a psychological point of view as well. Like mm -hmm. it's nothing new. Um, I mm -hmm. think we can look we can trace quote unquote deconstruction throughout all of all of the Bible, you know, and mm -hmm. really in every other religion. But I'd love to yeah. kind of hear that part of your journey. Yeah. So um, a really good example of that is my Sophia drawings, for example. So I left the ministry in two thousand and ten, um, and I like a, a couple of years later, I just started drawing this woman um, out in the wilderness all by herself and very vulnerable. Um, you can never see her face. But uh, I remember the first one I ever drew. Uh, it, it's the one is called Fearless. And she and this one, it was a sun, Sunday afternoon. I remember Lisa, my wife, was sitting there reading. We we're listening to music. And I was just sitting there drawing. And I ended up drawing this picture of a girl holding a teddy bear up to a towering grizzly bear that's towering over her. And I called it fearless. And my wife is like, what's that? Cause it was very, very unusual for, for me. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like drawing it. And, and then that sort of unlocked kind of broke the dam and unlocked fit. I, I drew 59 more Sophia drawings over the next couple of years. And um, it was about halfway through when I realized I was actually drawing my own journey away from uh, the oppression or the oppressiveness of the church and, and ministry and religion and, and me trying to find myself. So it, it shows her escaping. It shows her in front of a cave, wondering if she should go in. It, it's her facing... Um, a grizzly bear, you know, it's her with lions, it's her out in the cold, it's her, you know, all kinds of situations where each picture was sort of a, an installment in my spiritual journey away from uh, um, things that kept me from feeling free. And, and so it was, it was a very um, cataclysmic kind of a thing for me. It, it took two years, but um, it was, what, what do you call that when you, um, what's the word, uh, when it, you, you express something and it actually feels good. It makes you feel better. Um, like cathartic, cathartic. Yes. So it was a very cathartic journey for me. And, and then I, I turned it into a book, the, the liberation of Sophia. Um, cause I wrote a meditation with each one. So yeah, that's that's an example where my art um, really not was wasn't just 
me expressing myself, it actually led me in a sense um, in, into living more freely. So it was pretty, pretty cool. So you'd say, so if I kind of look into that a little bit, um, <laughs> so it kind of sounds like deconstruction for you was, um, it took, obviously it took a lot of courage to step away from ministry and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's just beautiful how you mentioned how, like, just eventually went from this thing that was scary. Like, I mean, you're fighting a bear to something that just became liberating and freeing and yeah, you know, beautiful. Well, my, my, my deconstruction really started when I graduated the day I graduated from seminary, I was just a young man. Um, and I it was at Gordon Conwell theological seminary near Boston. And, you know, I was a Bible believing evangelical. Like I, I studied the Bible. I, I still have my inner linear Bible. That's all underlined in all different colors. And um, I went to Bible college. I started studying Greek and Hebrew. I went to seminary, continued studying Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Like I was totally, all in in the Bible, but when I the day I graduated, I it suddenly dawned on me I didn't think the Bible was inspired. I, I was I wondered is the Bible inspired? Is it really inspired? And it was devastating. It was totally, totally, totally devastating. I was freaking out. My my wife Lisa actually had to grab me by the shoulders and say, "You need to go to the graduation ceremony," and um, it was terrible, terrible. But that, that began my very slow glacial melt of deconstruction that took, you know, the next 30 years, really. And um, to the point where I, I could leave the ministry and, and live free again. But yeah, it was, a, it was a long, it took a long time, a long time. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that... It's kind of, it's kind of like somebody inserted corrupt code in my computer mm, mm -hmm. and it, it just just slowly corrupted my christian programming and um yeah until it was gone so it it uh yeah it was quite quite the deal yeah um in regards in regards to that i mean for i feel like for everyone's kind of perspective when they kind of fall out of not the faith but the religion the the pra mm -hmm. the old practices the old mm -hmm. belief system um when they fall out of that there's always it's always a slow and gradual process most of the time mm -hmm. but there is for me there was there was one moment kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back and um that was back in uh, June, uh June of 2020 uh when uh George Floyd was murdered on on TV. Um, and mm -hmm. I saw the church react to that and had enough. That was my straw that broke the camel's back. Did you have like a similar experience? Not necessarily that event, but a mm -hmm. uh, similar, maybe a, uh, an event that was that final straw that you realize I am not the same person I used to be. Mm. So, um, yeah, I remember that as well. Um, even in Canada, uh, so it was very traumatic indeed to watch that kind of thing. Um, I've come to the conclusion there's two different kinds of deconstruction. One's theological and the other's ecclesiological. 
So the theological deconstruction is one I began back on when the day I graduated from seminary. And I, you know, it was just a slow erosion of my evangelical theological system. Um, and that took me a long, long time because I wasn't willing to just say that was all bullshit. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to say that? Oh yeah, you you yes. can cuss. That's all good. <laughs> you took a while to answer. You took a while. There was a pause. There was a pause. Um, you know, I, I wasn't just willing to chuck it, but I wasn't willing to just swallow it whole either. So I I, I took a long time to figure out how to navigate and integrate um, my spiritual upbringing and everything. So that's why my theological deconstruction took a long time, and I'm glad I did it that way. Now, the ecclesiological deconstruction, I've gone through several of those, but the, the straw that broke the camel's back in this case was uh, in 2009, I had a profound epiphany where I just saw that we're all one, connected on a deep and fundamental level. No, it wasn't psychedelics. It was just a moment when, that I experienced, and uh, it changed everything. It, it was like the last piece of the puzzle clicked in place. I saw the whole picture and I had peace of mind and then I started sharing it in my blog and, and, and that created pressure from outside so that it was within the year that I actually realized I can't, I can't stay here. I can't keep growing here. I can't keep exploring and discovering here as a pastor. And so I felt it was the perfect time for me and the perfect time for the church that we part ways. And we had what we call an amicable divorce. And uh, that, so that was overnight when I, when I left the ministry. Um, and yeah, it was a straw that broke the camel's back kind of a scenario when I realized I, I actually, when I, I left that meeting that night, I actually texted my wife who was working. I said, I'm done. And she texted back me too. It was, it was that, that, that quick. And within a couple of weeks, I was pastoring the church for 15 years, that church, but within a week, a couple of weeks, we were gone. So very fast. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I feel like for um, at least people that I know individually, like, yeah, it's a slow, slow burn. And then eventually it was like, yep, nope, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Like whatever I need to do. I'm going to figure it out. I had that experience of when I was working at a church, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. It is unhealthy. And, um, but I was yeah. like, but right now I, it's my only job. So I like, I have to figure out, you know, oh. finances, you know, and, and, and I did, as soon as I did, I was like, all right, two weeks notice ended up ironically being that the last, my last day was the day that I was actually going to be preaching. And ironically it was on the dark night of the soul. Um, and it was already chosen a couple months out. So it was like, all right, well, Hey, at least I know, I think God exists or still and might still have a, uh, yeah. it probably has a sense of humor, but it was, what, it what was did you go into? what did you go into after the ministry? So, um, for me, ministry, at least in terms of church ministry was never full time. It was, it was part-time youth pastoring. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time it was my only job because I'd gotten laid off. I, I work in the, um, in the nonprofit sector. And okay. so I was laid off. And then as soon as I got another job at another nonprofit, um, I got that one to be full-time. And I was like, all right, I'm no longer doing church ministry stuff. Yeah. At least not for now. Yeah. 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 So, so these two deconstructions 
when people, my, my observation in my own life and the life of other people, when people deconstruct theologically, often this turns out them leaving the church because there's no safe place for them to do it. The, deconstruct theologically. However, when people deconstruct ecclesiologically from the church, they don't necessarily deconstruct theologically. They, they might keep their theology, but they're just done with church. They've been, they've experienced abuse or corruption or boredom or, you know, whatever, uh, or rejection or whatever. So I think those two things, um, I think the ecclesiological deconstruction, we're seeing a ton of that. There's a lot of people leaving the church for all kinds of reasons. COVID um, exacerbated that for sure. Um, and theological deconstruction, we're seeing, we're seeing that increase too, I think, where people are feeling free to question long-standing Orthodox beliefs. And uh, I think we're in an important wave right now. Yeah, it seems like people are now that they have left the church and done that ecclesiological, ecclesi well, I know this word, ecclesiological uh, deconstruction. Yeah. Now they're like, wait, I don't have a church because I feel like it's in that context where you're in a building surrounded by all these other people that, um, that I feel like at least for me was a lot of the, um, I call it um, the uh, evangelical Stockholm syndrome or just Christian Stockholm syndrome where yeah. like I'm surrounded by my abusers and I am, um, saying I love them mm -hmm. as a form of safety. And mm -hmm. so saying I love them is also saying I agree to all these things and I'm not going to allow myself to leave. But once you're, once you're gone, you're gone. Um, and it's kind of beautiful on how once people are finally able to break free, um, just how their theology, I mean, I even just think about, you know, my closest friends, think of how mm -hmm. their theology drastically changed and where they've gone, you know, in their own spirituality um, or, you know, lack thereof, even though I would say everyone is spiritual at some, some basic level. Um, but it, it's just beautiful to see that once you no longer have those people telling you what you have to believe, mm -hmm. what you end up believing just feels like it's a more holistic with who you already were, you know? Right. And it doesn't even have to be abusive. It can, it's just herd mentality. It, it happens everywhere. So, um, yeah, absolutely. The Stockholm syndrome uh, and just, I, I, I mentioned earlier that that corrupt code entered in like the inspiration of scripture and sort of um, destroyed my evangelical programming. Um, and that's not to say that theology is bad. It's not like I reject theology. I'm still interested in theology, but I, I approach it in a detached way. I'm not, I, I think it's important that we not just inherit or, you know, adopt beliefs without analyzing them and thinking about them or whatever. And to be able to free yourself from that um, bondage to conditioning and uh, really decide what you believe and, and search and, and explore and discover, I think that's way healthier. And I'm encouraging more people to, to do that, to figure out what they actually believe and know, rather than just living in the, you know, Christian conditioning that so many of us were raised in. So I think we have a few questions um, from different people who have submitted questions. 
Um, but before we go into that, Jake and Bonnie, do you have any other questions or thoughts? Um, yeah, I've been I've been thinking a lot about the the series of like you said, fifty drawings on Sophia that you right. did kind of at the start, and I'm wondering why in Christianity that's so focused on men and like male personifications of spirituality. Did you gravitate towards Sophia, who's a female personification of wisdom, biblically? So that I get that asked that a lot. So I, I have to be honest with you. I'm not being weird or woo-woo or anything, but this is how I, I explained how the first drawing happened. I just normally I paint really kind of pretty landscapes with watercolor or or silly cartoons. In this case, I sat down with a pen and a pencil and drew without thinking. And really, honestly, I didn't plan it. I just sat down with a piece of paper and just started drawing. And when I was done, there she was. And it's almost like she appeared to me. I'm not being weird. This is just how it happened. And um, it was maybe I was eight or nine or more in when I was drawing the one called Cave, where she's standing in front of the entrance of a cave it's very dark in there. It's covered in vines. looks very intimidating and scary. And she's trying to decide whether or not she should go in to the cave. And we all know that the cave represents going into our deepest selves. Um, and she wasn't sure if she had the courage to do that. And I realized, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I, this is me. This is me I'm drawing. This is all about me and my own journey. And, and so the name Sophia also came to me, which is Greek for wisdom. And so actually Sophia came to symbolize my own inner wisdom. Why female? I think it's because that aspect of me, the, the female aspect, if, if you know Carl Jung at all, there's the animus and the anima, uh, the male has a female aspect, the female has a male aspect. Well, my female aspect was I felt oppressed and silenced in the church. Oddly enough, women are too. And um, that this was me finally being my whole self, male and female, and, and me coming out as a, a, a fully whole integrated human being where I could express my femininity and, and uh, you know, the, the feminine aspect that was you know, could, because church and church leadership and everything really is masculine in a way. Like it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of pushing and agenda and goals and vision and control and order and, you know, all this thing and less of nurturing and space and birthing, <laughs> you know, all these uh, other beautiful things. So I think the reason Sophia came as a woman um, is is that this was my finally feeling free to be my total self. Does that answer your question? <laughs> that does completely. And I love so much to see like more representation of the feminine and theology and Christianity. Mm -hmm. And especially within men, like it's super empowering to see certain yep. men like yourself being open to that part of themselves and normalizing it and yeah, making space for it in church culture. 
Uh, I totally agree. I mean, um, I, I, I address sexism and misogyny in the church a lot. Um, and, you know, people quote scriptures that I don't permit a man, a woman to teach a man, um, et cetera. Uh, but the reason why are they quoting those verses, I believe, is because they're afraid of what women would do to the church. <laughs> and, and, and it's all about those things of, of nurturing and space and care and grace and forgiveness and love and embracing and, and, and all, all these things. That's not to say women can't lead or women can't preach or women can't, you know, create order or any of these things, but they also have this amazing uh, ability to, to nurture. And, and so um, I think that's why uh, people hang on to those one or two scriptures and, and that culture, uh, misogynistic culture or sexist culture is because they're afraid of what would happen. And, and so that's why I continually address it. And interestingly, uh, Bonnie, um, my, the cartoons that upset people the most. Yeah. My, my LGBTQ cartoons upset people. Um, but I think number one is women, to be honest with you. When I, when I talk about women or my cartoons are feminist or whatever, that really, 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 you know, kicks the hornet's nest. It's amazing. Oh, I'm not, I'm honestly not surprised. I think women are in many ways the greatest threat to the church since it's so rooted in patriarchy. Um, so that does not surprise me at all. Say that again, please. Oh my that's God. Oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah, that's a meme right there. We got to quote that. Repeat. So rooted in patriarchy, is that's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the church is so rooted. Is All of the church, you know, it's based in patriarchy, you know. Yeah. When Constantine uh, made the church the Holy Roman Empire, you know, it was a right. council of men who decided all of, you know, Christian theology. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, just from the beginning, it's just, it's been patriarchy. And this, this is why, uh, in my opinion, this is why uh, I am not, just advocating for um, reform or change or tweaking because that's not really what's needed. It's not like, you know, painting, repainting a room or changing the furniture. This is foundational work and it's intimidating. There's a lot to do and people, it would mean taking down most of the structure in order to work on the foundation, just like you would your house or any building, right? And it's it's overwhelming to think of um, the work that needs to be done on the foundations that's, like you say, rooted in patriarch patriarchy and and let's say racism and and uh, you know all kinds of phobias and repair that and just, you know build from there, but. Um, the, 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 the strength, uh, the, the fortitude, the longevity of systemic uh, evil is just amazing. It's just really 
really strong. I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, a conversation I often have with a, one with one of my best friends is um, like what post Christendom might actually look like, or what might be coming next, right? Because a lot of people, um, I think, have lost complete hope in the church ever doing well, or um, mm-hmm. as a result of what they've experienced and what the church has done historically that God doesn't actually exist because if God existed, then why would this stuff continue to happen? Right. So you have those questions, but like, I, I love what you said where it's, it's redoing the entire foundation. Um, and so you may not have an answer to this. I, I don't even know if I don't even, I don't even have an answer to this. What do you think is next? Because it, it sounds like that's going to have to be, I don't want to say a new religion, but it's a new thing that mm-hmm. I think I, at least when I, when I like stop and pay attention close enough and in some of the books that I've been reading, it does sound like there's something new rising. Um, I don't fully know what it looks like yet, but what do you think that may look like? That's really, really good question. Um, I am not sure it's going to be containable within a structure or a system. Uh, I wish, and I've always wished, that the church would go after its roots, like ax to the root and go for it. But it's, it's so risky, so much to lose. Um, and no wonder they're afraid, but um, there might be the odd congregation or local church that would do this. Um, but in terms of a, a general um, institution, I, I'm not so sure uh, it's becoming more and more kind of this, like the dispersion um, where we're like refugees who fl- have fled an oppressive regime and are basically homeless and need to figure out how to survive and out there in a different wilderness, a different land. And some of us might organize gatherings and some of us might not. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's going to look more and more like that, where it's going to be more spontaneous and um, not as visible, um, not as institutionalized and um, so on. So, you know, I, I really think that's what's, what it's going to start looking like. It's, it's kind of like um, my, my, my problem with the church right now with the LGBTQ community is it seems to be willing to die on that hill. But uh, I remember when I was in the Pentecostal church many years ago when divorce was a no-no and that if you were divorced, you couldn't be in any leadership position and you couldn't even remarry unless your previous spouse died or that would be adultery. But they changed that out of necessity because, you know, half the people are divorced. And it's kind of like with uh, um, counseling services. Uh, It used to be illegal to um, meet with your clients virtually. You had to be face-to-face in the same room with your patient or your client. But out of necessity, because of COVID, um, they allowed for online meetings. It, 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 you know what? It comes down to economics and practicality. 
And it's the same with the church. I, I have a feeling that maybe some churches will wake up, maybe even some denominations will wake up and say, if we don't change majorly right now, we're going we're gonna to die. It's going to be over. And so we need to open our doors 100% to, you know, um, the LGBTQ community, full participation, et cetera, and women in ministry and all this and figure this out. Um, that would be foundational work. But I'm not sure how many denominations will do that. There might be congregations who do that. You know, saying all this just makes me think of, you know, all the people who say that you're not actually Christian <laughs> just reminds me of one person who I don't think has ever heard of our podcast said that on Facebook that is like, you know, if I had the chance to talk with the naked pastor, I would just tell him the gospel because he's obviously not a Christian. And you know what? Right there, you're saying some dangerous words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. When you go after the system, it's, it's, it's. It's difficult. I was talking with a, an indigenous, a friend of mine who's an indigenous a scholar, and he's talking about, you know, when you talk about getting to the root of the matter, it comes down to land. And, um, you know, that's where a lot of conversations stop. So when you, when you do talk about systemic injustice or systemic evil or systemic racism or systemic patriarchy or whatever, that's, that stuff is hard I, I think that's what Paul was talking about when he talked about the principalities and the powers. And um, it's, it's hard to overcome, but it, it takes a lot of work, a lot of intentionality and a lot of perseverance, a lot of patience, but I think it can be done. In fact, I just heard the other day that I think the Scottish um, Presbyterian church is it Scottish press? Anyway, that where they've um, agreed to same-sex weddings, they they will now perform same-sex weddings. Like, wow, that's a denomination that's from the Reformation period. We're talking ancient, and and they they've agreed to do same-sex weddings. So change can happen on a significant level. And that's gonna, I think, that's gonna help that church there survive a little longer. You know. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I like that. There's a lot of hope in what you're saying. I just finished reading um, Jesus and John Wayne, and at the end, oh, um, yeah. it's a heavy book. It took five months to read, uh, but at the end, you know, she she ends with saying that, like, you know, we have to know, <coughs> learn, and also appreciate everything that has happened in the last hundred years that all led up to, you know, here in America at least, Trump, but that kind of affected the world. Right. And um, she said, you know, you have to understand that because what what has been done can be undone. Um, right. And that was so beautiful because that was like a five month journey for me reading this book slowly because it's so heavy. Yeah. And like, you know, you're dealing with so much of like, why, why purity culture came because of this or, you know, yeah. the, the, the again, being against homosexuality came because of that, like, really, like. And, yeah. and it's just so frustrating, but like there is, there is hope. Um, and is it going to be named Christianity? Who, who the heck knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> regardless, it's, I, I think right now it's happening at least on a personal level for a lot of people and society, yeah. you know, as a result. Um, and so it's, it, I, I am anxiously waiting the day where it happens. I think on a bigger level, like with, you know, the Southern Baptist convention with everything they've gone through recently, like, 
um, with all of the abuse that's been unraveled mm. here in the States, like mm. that is an opportunity to say, Hey, let's change this system. Are they mm -hmm. going to, my hope comes on a more theoretical level <laughs> on a practical level. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. So the, what's interesting to me is um, like, it's one thing to win ground. It's another thing to keep the ground. It takes more work to keep the ground. You can, you can, you know, master all of your energy and courage and in a couple of days win ground. I'm talking in a, I'm, I'm using a war imagery here. But once you get the ground, it's another thing to keep that ground. And that takes a lifetime of perseverance and intentionality and work. And so, um, and, and another sidebar on this same issue is I believe conservatism and fundamentalism is a reaction to progress. They don't have any new policies or any, any progress at all. They, are, they just uh, react against progress. So the more progress that is made in Christianity or in the church or in spirituality in general, you're going to get an even heated, more heated reaction to that from, you know, alt-right or right or conservative or fundamentalist. So that's why, you know, you might gain ground, you might gain ground, but you got to keep the ground because the more progressive, open, loving, inclusive, whatever a, a church is, the more um, reaction and, and uh, you know, opposition is going to come at you. Um, that's why I think, things are kind of seem like they're going crazy in the world right now is because there has been progress in some ways. And so it just stirs the flame of resentment and fear and hatred. Um, and that's why things are so hot right now. Um, that's just my, my personal opinion, but I think it applies to what's happening in the church and, you know, people are leaving the church um, and one of the biggest pain points is the lo loss of community. Like that was mine. We, you get lonely. You, you just miss the community that you had. You, you know, you had something to do with somebody almost every the, day of the week, right? But that when you leave the church, it's almost like, geez, I'm an adult and I have to learn how to make friends here. Like it's bizarre. And there's nothing like church for community. There's no, I tried. I tried different groups clubs, you name it, but nothing comes close. Nothing comes close. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, so here's the problem that the church faces going into the future is how can we um, be free and gather? Because everybody's going to be suspicious, right? Everybody's suspicious about organizing and institutionalizing and, you know, collecting and you know grouping and all that so even though we want it um even though we want community we're we're very very suspicious maybe even terrified and triggered by it so um that's going to be i think one of the biggest challenges ahead is how how are we going to be free and hang out <laughs> that's going to be a tough one yeah it's um, pretty funny because i think a week ago as of recording this podcast um, we had a local church reach out to us and 
if a church reaches out to like a evangelical deconstruction, whatever podcast, it's normally like a, uh Oh, and I, I, my, my guard was already up when I read that message, but like they said, Hey, like we, I kind of just figured out like from some stuff we've posted, you might be here in our area and totally get it if it's not your thing. But if it is, and you're looking for a place like, you know, we have a church that's centering, you know, BIPOC women, LGBT folk, and try and create an inclusive space. We'd love to have you guys come to a dinner, zero pressure. You don't have to come, but just want to throw the invite out. And I was like, I'm intrigued. That was actually a pretty good. All right. And, um, and so I went and actually Gabe, who asked that one question earlier went, and then since then, Jake and I have both gone to one of their services. Um, but, uh, as soon as I went there, I, I did my old testing, you know, like been, been like, here, I'm going to throw out a little bit of my mystic theology at you and see what happens. Or, hey, yeah, I do tarot, um, you know, little things like that were and having all that be held in a space of, wow, that's awesome. Tell me more about that. And, and then even just um, they would bring something up and I, I would be like, OK, but yeah, but this is like a whole you know systemic thing and being able to have a discussion about it. And what I what I saw. It, like with what you're saying is like this community is possible because like at this place was the first place. And, you know, I've been going to, we, the three of us have been going to another church, which has been close ish to this um, and is still progressing towards what this church is. Um, mm-hmm. But this church is like you, like I've seen people, there are a couple of individuals who have gone to this new, newer church in, in our area mm-hmm. who I went to a mega church with before. Um, so it's pretty crazy seeing them both there and yeah. <laughs> at this other church, you know, people had interacted with them in different ways, either because of how they acted, which could have been due to developmental disabilities or trauma or what, what have you. And here they are fully accepted and loved for who they are. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, even, you know, our, I was telling you before the show, our friend Gabe is starting to get into drawings as well. And he, um, we have a, we have an episode, one of our episodes last year is called Don't Touch Our Purity Balls, uh, where we do a deep dive into purity culture. And he drew a hand, very, very beautiful. Maybe I'll share it with you later if you want to see it, but very beautiful hand grasping two like er, balls, but they weren't like ball sack, but they were like just balls, you know? And, uh, and he did this at like a church function on like a thing that was going to be shown in front of the whole church. And like the pastor went over and she was like, okay, what did you do? Oh, okay. I just want to make sure it's not actual like ball sack. <laughs> just like, that's really good art. And it was just really awesome seeing that happen in a space. Yeah. So I know, it, I know it can exist. I yeah, know it can exist. I do. I do too. There's a church not far from us here. Um, it, it, well, it's about an hour and a half to get there. Lisa works shift work. She's a nurse. So when we can go, we'll go. Um, but it's not very often. It's a few times a year. And um, it's cool. You, we just we just go in there. We're friends with a lot of the people there. We're friends with the pastor and his wife. And um, you can sit or stand. You can sing or not. You know, close your eyes or not. You, you, we, you just hang out for an hour. And there's coffee and refreshments and stuff. And it's very, very laid back and you get to hang out with people and there's no pressure to even believe anything or anything. So those, those spaces are rare, but I think that's how uh, a church and the church can, can survive if, if it provides those kinds of um, safe spaces. <laughs> that's my opinion on that, but it's, you know, I think that's, I, I, I can't see the church as it is 
surviving. So there's going to need to be change. So, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the church should just be having people come together and just meet with other people and talk about whatever they want to talk about. Kind of like friends, <laughs> like just having friends. Kind of like, yeah. <laughs> the, the old yeah. mega church, they used to be like, hey, you should, uh, the pastor would go up to me and a couple of my friends were like, wow, you guys got a really great small group going on. And my, my best friend goes, small group? You mean my my friends, the people I hang out with and, and eat yeah. with and like talk with and challenge and get challenged by? That's just called friendship. Why do you have to slap on a church label? On no, it's just yeah. <laughs> just hanging out. As soon as you do that, it would be over. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it's just really funny. But um, yeah, so I think we have um, we have quite a few questions that we got from different listeners. We put it up a couple of days ago, and I've gotten right. some pretty good ones. Um, so I believe um, Bonnie, do you want to? Do you have the first question? Yeah, um, so our first question is from an anonymous listener, um, and they were wondering who Jesus is to you now, um, how, you know, is Jesus the same, or different, and yeah, and why? Okay, um, so for me, I find that I'm... I'm like, I don't read much theology. I don't find it very satisfying anymore um, because most theology is written to um, nail you down in a certain belief or, you know, some kind of a, a rut. That's a pejorative term. But so I find I'm reading more like philosophy. I'm reading mystical theology. Um, you know, like uh, Cloud of Unknowing, for example, or Meister Eckhart, or, or you know, others. Uh, Thomas Merton, let's say. Um, St. John of the Cross, etc. Desert Fathers. And then I'm also reading like quantum physics, like Carlo Rovelli um, and David Bohm. Um, philo modern philosophers like Slavoj Zizek or you know, um, Alain de Botton, for example. And, and what I'm finding interesting is, a, is these, these people, although they come from different schools uh, and different, um, you know, like philosophy, science, mysticism, whatever, they all start sounding the same. And uh, so for me, uh, the Christ is more of a mystical idea than a physical person. And, um, you know, who, who would say Jesus is a physical person today? Um, I think most people would agree. <laughs> most Christians would agree that Jesus is spirit. And um, so I'm, I'm more exploring or appreciating that aspect of the mystical Christ um, as a total presence in the world, the all in all, the the, the, the glue that binds us, the love that um, joins us all together and unites us indivisibly. So that for me is, and, you know, reading about the historical Jesus and things like that, it's, it's very fascinating. So um, I'm, I'm, I, still, I still appreciate the, the spirit of Christ and, and the story and all that it came from. But uh, for me, it's the, 
the gospels are all, um, and, and Paul and the Pauline letters are all different angles on a different, on, on, a, a, on the same story. And so I, I feel like I had to come to my own conclusions about what that means for me today. And so if somebody were to say, you know, ask me to nail down where I am, I said, I, I feel really comfortable in that mysticism, philosophy, uh, quantum physics realm for understanding, you know, the gospel and Christianity and religion in general. Yeah, I can relate, relate a lot. I, I think from what it sounds like, um, Richard Rohr kind of differentiates the Christ from Jesus and that Jesus was the historical figure who on the cross stepped into this mystical universal Christ mm -hmm. um, that is very much what you're what you're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. am, I, am I hearing you correct? Yeah, there, there's a historical person, but the actually the the thing that it, you know put the corrupt code in my brain when I was graduating from seminary was a book I read. And the book was by James Breach called The Silence of Jesus. And basically the, the way he approached it was the, um, that there's about seven sayings of Jesus that are authentic. And uh, so he explored those. And, and anyway, the whole point of the book, uh, by the end of the book, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, yeah, this just makes sense. And so the, the historical Jesus is very, very messy research, very, very messy study. Uh, it's very, very complicated because there's no one um, story. So, uh, but I do believe that the Christianity and um, the mystical Christ and um, so on is rooted in a person historically. Doesn't um, Richard Rohr, he, he wrote a book on the um, universal Christ, right? So he's yeah. kind of exploring that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been, uh, Richard Rohr, I think, has been very quintessential for my own mystification, as <laughs> I'll call it, of just really helping. Out. Richard Rohr was the first person who started writing the stuff that I started reading that said anything related right. to, like, that universal Christ or the mystic, mystic life. And so... Mm -hmm. um, Good stuff. All right. Uh, this next question is from at moon underscore just underscore moon moon just moon. Thank you. Uh, this question is kind of a kind of a mouthful. Uh, so let me read it off and let's see if we can dissect it together. Um, in a world of bad churches, do you still believe in God or or believe in Jesus? And if so, why? Why do you believe? Not. Not the reason why one should, but why do you personally believe? And do you think God cares as much about the quote-unquote church, or the capital C church, the in industrial complex of it, uh, as he does about his church? Uh, in other words, is belief enough to be a part of his church? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this might be a... a, a non-answer but i'll tell you where i come from when it comes to um like god and everything i am more interested in what's behind the word the word is not the thing john calvin um said that the mind is an endless factory for idols 
and I believe them, that are like the word is not the thing. The word God is not God. Our thoughts about God are not God. They don't even come close. I have a lot of cartoons about this, in fact, where I show a guy thinking about God, but God's on the outside of the, the thought box. That's just, I just believe that's true. The word is not the thing. The thoughts are not the thing. Instead, what we, what we often do is we just cling to the words and the ideas that we've adopted, and we've been, you know, that we've inherited um, and without question. My, my question is, what is beyond that? What is the word God, the ideas about God, theology, even the Bible, Karl Barth said, even the Bible is like a sign pointing to something. What is it pointing to? Very, very few people want to explore that because it's, it's scary to go beyond, uh, you know, your conditioning. It's, it's scary to question everything. In fact, I, I wrote a book called Questions Are the Answer, where I think it's important to question everything and find out, okay, I believe in God. I've always believed in God. But what do I mean? Because that word God and my ideas about God are not God. What is beyond that? And so I think that's the most important project that we can involve ourselves in is to question everything and try to experience what is beyond the word and the ideas. So that's my non-answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think the last part of this question, I think you've, you've kind of also answered a lot of this one, but in, in regards to the, specifically the church, um, right. I, I'd be interested to hear that. Like, do you think God gives a crap about this industrial church? And if, um, and, and yeah. Well, I, I think the church is a principality and a power that it's a creature. Um, it's a, it's a creation and that, um, the story of Adam and Eve in, in the garden, one of the truths that we gather from that mythology uh, is that we are to have dominion over the creatures. The problem with the church is it has dominion over us. It's, it's, it become, it's become a bureaucracy. It's like most institutions. I feel the gravitational pull of all institutions and organizations is towards the dehumanization of its members. And it takes daily effort and intentionality to prevent that from happening. But it's such hard work, most people don't do it. And that's why the church falls into abuse and falls into control and manipulation and coercion and guilting people and shaming people, making people afraid. It's just the gravitational pull of institute. And that's the principality and the power as a creature that we have dominion over. And, and it's our responsibility to demand that the church serve us. We're not here to serve the church. The church is here to serve us. And so it's, it's, it's a justice issue, in my opinion. It's a freedom issue. And, and so, I'd, you know, God, whether he cares or whether they care or whether she cares, whatever, about the church or not, 
is it's incidental to me. Do we care? Do we care about how the church is treating people? Really? Um, it, you know, it's, it's almost like it's, it's up to us, you know, it's in our hands and we're like, um, we're in the garden here and here's this creature that's lost control. It's out of control and abusing people like the Southern Baptist convention. It's, 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 it's insane. You know, the amount of uh, abuse that's going on and it's our job to call the church to account. Like we have a prophetic role in a sense to call the church to serve us rather than us serve the church. It's the same with any other institution like the schools or hospitals or the, the, uh, the DMV or anywhere in the world where there's a bureaucracy, it's there to serve us. We're not there to serve it. And, and that's our job is to call it to serve us. And I know it kind of sounds offensive. We're not here to serve the church. The church is here to serve us. That sounds offensive, but it's true. I mean, it sounds, it sounds empowering, which is what the church I feel like should be of empowering yeah. people to live their lives and like take down systems of oppression. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so the principality and the power. It's kind of like the church gets an idea of itself and becomes that idea of itself, this fantasy of itself, and harms its members. It's it's like demon possession, <laughs> like it. I'm not comparing it to, but it's it's like demon possession where it it's now controlled by a fantasy. It's fantasy of itself. We all do, we all can do it. <clears throat> where I get an idea of myself, of who I should be, or what I should be. Maybe I over-identify. Here's an example. Maybe I over-identify with naked pastor and I get the, the demon of naked pastor and, and become something that I'm not and unnatural and, and get full of my own power and um, start abusing people. Right. Happens all the time. That's, that's our job is to challenge anything that subjects humanity that's really good. Um, so we have about three more questions from uh, listeners. Uh, this next one um, is a very interesting one. It comes from someone who also wants to remain, remain anonymous. Um, they ask, what is the best evidence that we humans have for the existence of God? Okay, so these are all, okay, the, all these questions are kind of sounding the same. And um, I'm just here objectively stating often a lot of these questions come out of a place of anxiety and fear. Um, I, I was there where I needed to hear from somebody what they thought about Jesus or what they thought about God, because I had to check myself um, and test myself and see, am I, am I okay here? Am I all right? Like, am I, am I gone? Am I lost? Am I a heretic now? And, and, you know, the questions about, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God? Do you, you know, all these things are, I know I was there, that sense of anxiety that I need to be okay. And I need some kind of affirmation and validation from somebody who has a voice that I'm okay. And I'm here to tell you, you're okay. <laughs> you know, uh, you're, you're okay. And, and you need to find your way. Um, 
one of the most liberating moments of my life was when somebody said to me, why are you always looking for a father figure? And it dawned on me. That's exactly what was happening. I was constantly looking for somebody to say, David, you're okay. I validate you. I affirm you. Um, you're okay. That, that was a liberating moment because I could let that go and be my own authority. I could take the steering wheel of my life. I could be the master of my destiny, the captain of my ship, right? And, and that has to happen in, in everybody's life at some point. And so that um, you don't have to constantly be checking for permission from somebody to be who you are or to believe what you believe. Yeah, originally I did have actually all four of those questions kind of labeled under the same uh, little bracket because they all were kind of like the existence of God or the existence of Jesus or yeah. um, or, or whatnot. And, <laughs> and I think you've I think you have answered that question as well. Um, and if it is helpful for the individual, I think there are plenty of things that you can. I mean, yeah, I think find freedom in figuring that out for yourself. How can yeah. You, so if, the, pro the the problem with our religious upbringing, and it's very binary. Our, our, our Christianity, our theology is very binary. They're, you're in the church or you're out of the church. You're a believer or you're a non-believer, or you believe in God or you don't believe in God, or you believe in the resurrection or you don't believe in the resurrection. I take the middle path. It sounds very Buddhist, where there neither is nor isn't. It's all both sides of the of the same coin. I no longer think in binary terms anymore. For me, when I, that moment in 2009, when I saw we were all one, there's just one reality, but we all have different words and different ways of explaining it, different language, different understandings, but there's just one reality. So for me, somebody says, I believe in God. And somebody says, they don't believe in God. It's two sides of the same coin. It's, it's, for me, I, I am as much one with an atheist as I am with a Christian believer or a Muslim or a Hindu or a Jew or whatever. I, I, am, I am one with them. And, and these are just words and thoughts that seem to separate us, only seem because they don't really. Um, we're, we're deeply connected, fundamentally. And these are just words and thoughts that don't separate us. They only seem to. Yeah. And I think um, I was, we were going to have another question uh, from uh -huh. at wandering Chris, which I think you also just answered with that, with the, we are all one. Um, yeah. This question was specifically in regards, because I did tell her I was going to say it. Um, so uh, this was specifically in regards to Eastern medicine and how, you know, you could, if if there's any way to um how how it may align with you know the western ideals or christianity or god or whatever um since this person is a massage therapist and all that stuff but um it does sound like you kind of already answered that of we're all one this is all there's this binary in general is just ridiculous you know yeah uh, kind of it, it's limiting and so um everything's included everything's included everything's what it's all one. So Lisa and I are very open about different methods and different 
ideas and different foods and different experiences and different cultures and different beliefs and different therapies and treatments and spiritualities. And, you know, <clears throat> I had somebody um, not long ago say to me that they wanted to do a tarot reading for me. Now, when I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, that would have been a ticket to hell right there. And I would have opened the door to some kind of demon entering me and, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I was like, yeah, sure. You know, and it was a powerful um, moment in my life. It was, it was really cool. And I realized, you know what, the, these are all just tools that we are using to open ourselves up and to hear and to listen and to grow. They're just tools. The, you know, um, tarot cards or uh, the reading the, the stars or astrology or, you know, um, meditating or, you know, psychedelics or, you know, any, all these things are just tools to, for awareness, for self-awareness and universal awareness for me. And, and so we're open to all those things. Not that we necessarily try them all, but we don't judge them or, you know, ban them just because we've been conditioned to. You know, even yoga when I was growing up was, was demonic. Right? Um, and transcendental meditation and all that. Yeah. So I don't think that anymore. All right. Um, and then we have one last uh, question here, um, which I think I think you almost kind of covered it already. Um, but uh, at Queersland Australia asked, uh, some make trans slash trans non-binary, or basically anyone on like the gender the gender spectrum a theological issue. Uh, is there a theological defense for it? Well, mine is that when I realized we're all one and that we share one reality and it had a profound, profound effect on my life. Peace of mind came to me. It's never left. It's beautiful. Um, and this need to require people to live a certain way or to follow certain rules or, or whatever, it's, it was gone. I left the ministry in the next year. Like, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't think it matters. If you're trans or you're gay or you're bi or you're poly or you're whatever, to me, I, I really honestly, and I say this with all love and compassion, I don't care because I don't think it matters. I love the diversity. I love that you're gay. I love that you're trans. But to me, it's not like I have to go through some kind of theological hoops to get there. It's just love. Set, you know, love is just love. Love is like 
sunshine. It shines on everybody. It doesn't discriminate. Same with rain. It falls on everybody. It doesn't discriminate. Same with gravity. It pulls everything. It doesn't discriminate. That's what love is like. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care. <laughs> so that, that's just what love does. That's my theological foundation to inclusion and loving everyone and not judging anyone and allowing everyone. I shouldn't even say allow because that sort of centers me and, and says I need to give permission. I, I don't allow anything. I, I just like live and let live. That's my theological foundation to that. And I think it's better than trying to theologize it or find biblical support or all that kind of thing. Um, I, when you come from a place of love, it's, it's over. The argument's over. So I hope that helps. Did you say Queersland, Australia? That's kind of a cool name because there is Queensland, Australia. So it's kind of funny. Good, good handle. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty creative. I was like, how do you say that? And I didn't know if there's a Queensland, Australia. That's, that's a really good play on words. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, a lot of that, that was good. And, you know, I, I think we, we do get people in our DMs every now and then, or people that we know who will ask these questions and, it, it is, I know, I mean, two years ago, if you talked to me, like I would be the same way of, oh, I need to know the answer. I need, what does this mean? I need someone to tell me that this is okay to believe, you know, and, um, and, and it's validating. It can be very validating, but, um, well, yeah, yeah, there's two approaches to the Bible. One is like 1946, the movie, is it 46? The movie that's, um, showing how homosexuality was, injected into the Bible and, and all that is a documentary on the Bible showing that the six or seven clobber verses aren't really actually talking about what homophobes want it to be talking about. So there are biblical scholars and theologians who are taking the scripture and reinterpreting them or, and reanalyzing and doing the research to, you know, show that the Bible really isn't against gay people or, or whatever. There's that, there's that approach. And there's the other approach where you appreciate the Bible for what it is. Ancient documents written by men a long time ago uh, in, a, in a culture that's long gone, who didn't understand biology or science or sexuality or gender the way we do. And so I tell people, you know, I didn't stone my kids for working on a Sunday uh, on the Sabbath. And um, even though I'm commanded to. And uh, it's the same with all kinds of other things, you know, how women cut their hair or men grow their beards or, you know, circumcision or, you know, you all, there's all kinds of things that we let go in the Bible. And so it's, it's like, I'm not going to allow a 3000 year old man to tell me how to live my sex life. So there, there's those two approaches to the Bible where you, you, um, you explore the dynamic interpretation of what the Bible is saying. And the other one is you appreciate the Bible for what it is, but it's unable to address modern sexuality and gender. Yeah, that's very good. Thank you so much. Um, 
Jake, Bonnie, do either of you have any questions? Any other additional questions? No? Cool. I don't, yeah, I don't believe so. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think that's all the questions that we currently have, but uh, there was, I mean, that even that last thing, I was like, wow, that is, that makes sense of there are two ways to read the Bible. <laughs> One yeah. is the way to study it as a theological text, which great. And the other is just to accept it as it is, which is also great. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's we all do it. serves you. Yeah. We all do it. I do it. Yeah. Um, and even, some people don't even think I'm a Christian and I still value the Bible where I'll, I'll quote something, you know, where, um, you know, I, in fact, I quoted it today where um, it's God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. <clears throat> That's the whole world. Everything is reconciled. All things hmm. are reconciled. Everything comes together. Everything, not excluded. But uh, I'm also like, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to eat that food or I'm, I'm going to, you know, grow my hair or, you know, whatever. It's like, I'm not going to let uh, an old book tell me what to do when I know it's not the best thing for me. Yeah. So there, everybody does that. Everybody, even bibliologists. So, or biblicists, yeah. whatever they're called. Well, I've enjoyed hanging out with you people. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on once again, y'all. If you are um, trying to get, uh, in touch with uh, with David Hayward or Naked Pastor. Um, just look up. It's just Naked Pastor, not the Naked Pastor, right? Right. Naked Pastor. One word. Yeah. So look it up. And if you're looking for that with a space, there are other websites that you can go to for that. Um, you're not going to find that. Fine too. <laughs> I just mentioned my book that's coming out. Oh flip yes, like please. This. Flip it like this. It's coming out in July, but you can pre-order it now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or your local bookstore. It's my 125 best of cartoons of all time. I had to, I had to trim it down from over 4,000 cartoons. Oh, so wow. uh, it's, it's a great book that you can accidentally leave at your parents, or you can leave in your bathroom or on your coffee table or give as a gift. And it'll be under 20 bucks, but it's coming out in July, but you can pre-order it now. Thanks. That's great. We'll have to catch that. And is your other book, the one on Sophia, is that available as well? Yeah, I have nine other books. Uh, okay. The Liberation of Sophia, Questions Are the Answer, Till Doubt Do Us Part, When Changing Beliefs Change Your Marriage. Uh, they're all on Amazon. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, check out his books if you are looking for those. I'm, I already know I'm going to add some of those to my list, in all honesty. <laughs> <laughs> those all sound super yeah. fascinating. I just have to say, I just pulled up the, the Amazon page, your author page, and that is the most classy profile pic I've ever seen for a single author ever. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm fully clothed and in my right mind, though, right? It's just me. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just kind of goes against the whole here. naked pastor aspect yeah, yeah. of it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. You have to go to his OnlyFans for that one. Just kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's no only fans, no only fans. <laughs> I'm a very PG kind of guy, actually, but uh, I'm very modest. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I got Naked Pastor. I actually won it in an auction, and I didn't realize it until they informed me. And it was it, it was back when Naked Chef, Naked Archaeologist, The Naked Truth, all those things uh... were cool. And then Naked Pastor grew, and now I'm stuck with it. So anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much. This was a very great conversation. We're very thankful to have you on here. Thanks, y'all. 
the Nintendo Wii. Uh, you take them and you literally flush them down the toilet. That is where they belong, honestly. There is no need for that many copies of Wii Play. You can keep one, only if you promise that you're going to be playing it with either a romantic partner or a little sibling. No other uh, people will do in that scenario. And uh, that's all you need for listening to the interview section. Yeah, they actually just listened to it. Fuck! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a cool interview. Yeah. <laughs> Very nifty. Very nifty, yes. No, it was it was a really good, really, really good interview. Yeah, honestly, I'm trying to remember parts of it. I didn't listen to, like, the Joe Lemon one I listened to before we recorded this part. I did not do it this time, because time. Um, but from what I remember, there was a lot of really interesting points. And, like, the I really liked... Um, the part that stood out to me was finding common thread between multiple views of philosophy and spirituality and also just having the freedom to do and be whoever it is you want to be. Like, I think that's a very common thing that David draws and says, like, that gave me freedom. That helped give me freedom during my early stages of deconstruction because I used to always want to be like, has anyone else said this big thing that could be very heretical? Uh, and I was wanting someone to affirm it, and yet David said, just go where you need to go. Just be who you want to be, believe what you want to believe, allow yourself to think into those spaces, and just grow, and, like, that was very empowering. Yeah, I loved that. I think, um, if more people with influence in faith-based communities acted, acted like he did yeah. in that interview... We would have way less toxicity within the church. Yeah. Like, he's just... David is a really wholesome mm -hmm. and yet also badass guy. Yeah. Like, love him. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Pastor. Or Naked. Can I call you Naked? <laughs> uh, thank you so much for the, for the fantastic interview. Uh, if you do indeed listen to this episode, uh, I am sorry for what is about to commence as we <laughs> move on to our other segments here, unless there's anything else we wanted to say about no. I just want to just reiterate again, go find him on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, probably Facebook buy his stuff i'm honestly gonna probably buy some of his like paintings because like they are beautiful like his landscapes holy shit and a couple of those books because like especially the the one of sophia is oh, yeah. really cool um, i was actually just reading a um chapter in apolita faith about the the term sophia just very interesting um, about all that stuff but yeah go go support him if you do not um and if you do then you know continue supporting him because he's pretty he's pretty rad honestly like oh yeah one of the, he and Joe have been my favorite interviews. Like, they have just been so, such kind human beings, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, shall we go to the next one? Yeah. Alright. The... <laughs> Fucking news. Bless you. Yeah, I know. So this week, um, you know, we, we're not going to talk a lot about like Christian news stuff because, well, let's look at it. The SBC came out and it was found out, oh, wait, there's a bunch of abuse that they've been covering up? Shocker. The Dugers 
or going to jail or some shit, right? Um, some some crap like that. I don't give a fuck. Um, Jerry Falwell Jr. died. I don't I don't like to praise people's deaths. However, him, Billy Graham, and uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. have all been so quintessential into creating the bullshit, asshole, patriarchal, toxic, purity culture-esque militant Christianity that we have today. So, um, you know, Jerry, if, if heaven is real, and if God is real, I really hope that you're having a great conversation with Jesus right now about how much of a fucking piece of shit you were. I hope you're listening to this podcast episode up in heaven going, oh, this is what it was? Dang it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least or at least partially what it was? I don't know. Body is unsure. I can see Body's unsure face on everything we just said. I mean, I mean, I don't really, I'm not a fan of heaven. And really? I'm also not someone who's like right, I don't believe in like right or wrong with spirituality. Unless it's toxic, you know? That's, that's what I don't maintain that I'm right. I, I know what I believe and what I think is right, but, like, I'll never say I am for a fact right and you're for a fact wrong. Unless what you're saying is toxic. That's my point. What he was saying was toxic. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was just a dick. Yeah, he was just an asshole. Yeah, he was a real Kenneth. Yeah. He was a real one. Yeah, he was a real one. Oh, and um, on a positive side, Adrian Gibbs is back on yes. Twitter and Instagram, and I'm so happy. That made me so happy. Welcome back, Adrian. Yes. We missed you. We love you. And, you know, maybe we'll get him back on the podcast sometime. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a... Bonnie, I think, knows a lot more about what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. So, if you're on TikTok, like most gay people are... (laughs) um, (laughs) Fucking hell. And if you are a gay person who is on gay TikTok... I... You might have seen... The uh, Pride Out campaign, which started June 1st, and its goal was to spread awareness of how TikTok um, bans queer content creators, does not push content, you know, is just, in general, homophobic, which is very important, you know, it, it is a genuine issue, but the issue is... That this was a campaign that was organized by white queer people. Um, And some of the people they included in the campaign were, like, transphobic. Uh um, Known for, like, you know, not being the best allies or Mm -hmm. whatever. Kind of shitty people. But the... Biggest problem was that the symbol that they chose to represent the message was covering their mouth with their hands, which is used by the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Movement, which uh, appropriating that is completely inappropriate and should have never happened in the first place if they had included BIPOC voices from the beginning. Um, that wouldn't have happened. And it's also Indigenous Heritage Month, too, which is makes it an added level. Yeah, an extra slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the content creators involved have apologized and taken down their videos and opened it up to, like, listening to Indigenous voices. Um, some have doubled down, and that's 
fucked up. Yay, colonialism. If you, you double down, hot cringe. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I mean, there's more I could say, but... Yeah, yeah, I think cringe is good. Cringe. Yeah, just a bummer situation for yeah. Ty to start off with. Yeah, I always find it interesting. Like, I've, I've noticed the last couple months, I always forget that June is also Indigenous Heritage Month. And it's like, Indigenous Heritage Month gets almost, well, not almost, it gets drowned out by all the stuff for Pride. And I feel like Pride should be the specific month when Indigenous voices, especially Indigenous queer folk, is, like, rises up. Because, I mean, from the start, like, I'm, I'm reading um, Braiding Sweetgrass by um, Robin Wall Kimmerer, and... There's a lot that I'm learning in this book that I've also learned in other books uh, by indigenous folk where like in the language of specifically the Potawatomi culture, um, there is no masculine or feminine nouns. It's all one. It's all the same. Then also like in a lot of indigenous cultures where two spirit comes from, right? Um, and like they had, they like, they bent what Western or now white Western, I should say, what white Western uh, quote unquote gender rules were and all that other stuff. And so it's like, it, I feel like a lot of stuff with pride is very inherent in indigenous culture. So it's like, it makes sense for the two to be combined, but a movement, but like, it's only pride stuff, you know, as someone who is both indigenous and bisexual or queer, whatever, like it, it's a weird dichotomy of why is one of my side more celebrated than the other? And then hearing this of white queer folk doing the same thing that has been done to them, but especially done to my people. It's like a double slap in the face. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, if you didn't know, I understand. Like, that is, like the, 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 the hand over the mouth isn't something that's necessarily widely known. Um, I've also seen the hand over the mouth with an X on it for, as well as, um, the end it movement or for like ending human trafficking. Like I've also seen that, or I remember in, in, uh, high school, I think for, for pride month, there was also like the tape over the mouth. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I might be mixing that up with another movement that was happening, but I do remember like specifically queer folk at my high school would wear tape over their mouths, uh, for at least a day or a week or, or whatever. Um, so I get it if you don't understand, but if you're creating a movement as someone who's done marketing, you always research what has already been done. So it's a quick Google search of hand over the mouth meaning. And I guarantee you, you would find, oh, this is specifically a movement for missing indigenous women, of which there are many, not I think thousands, hundreds if not thousands, yeah. um, and also children who are still missing. Um, and by missing, meaning they are very likely dead, but, you know, Catholic Church in Canada and in the U.S., um, I would argue, are, are not saying anything. But, like, you, you'd, you'd find that out. So, I don't know. I, I think it's absolutely bullshit. Thank you to the TikTok creators who are actively apologizing in healthy ways. For those of you doubling down, thank you for continuously re-traumatizing brown folk. That's just not cool. Cringe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, is that, is that the yeah, whole thing that's, that was happening? Oh. That's the whole... I mean, it, we're only, like, less than a week into Pride. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Hopefully we have time to recover from that start. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, which I think is a good thing to note real quick. If any of y'all are in the OC LA Long Beach area, we will be at the Long Beach Pride Festival. We'll put out more details when we get close to that. That's in July. We're going to check up information on the, I believe OC and LA both have Pride events as well, but we may be going to those as well. So if y'all do go, send us a DM. We'd love to see you. Love to meet you. Um, as long as you're not going to be weird or creepy to any of us. Um, which we don't think you will be, but like, I, I do recognize that that is a thing that sometimes happens. Um, but we, you know, we love, we love to hang out. We're still going to go regardless. So I mean, come through or don't, I don't care. Yeah. And I'm going to LA pride this weekend. So oh, wait, LA pride this weekend? weekend. Yeah. Oh, well, fuck. Yeah. Okay. We might, might go. Okay. Ne- uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk after this. So we might go to LA pride as well. So Hell come yeah. through. Yeah. Come through. Come through. Yeah. Anyway, that was the fucking news. Yeah, that was the fucking news. Yeah. Uh, LA LA Pride, uh, sponsored by TikTok. Honest. <laughs> oh, that's, hey. that's pretty great. Okay. Thanks, Chinese government. Thank you. I guess. Anyway, so uh, on to our our Kenneth story for the week. Yeah. 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 Which um, I I hate to say this, but it does not involve Kenneth this week. Uh, as much as. Uh, our super secret scouts have been out there on the field hunting, searching for Kenneth, tracking down his every location to try to find our latest scoop of a Kenneth story. Kenneth was just under the weather, not feeling good. He, he was just at home uh, having chicken I mean, noodle soup. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. He was out there. It's he, been a momentous month. Yeah. But we just aren't paying attention to him. Yeah, that that's that's the real reason. I I, I lied to you. Listeners of the podcast, I told you that he was eating chicken noodle soup. He would never even touch chicken noodle soup. Chicken is only if it's chicken noodle soup for the soul. Exactly. The only the only poultry that he eats is the poultry that he hunts in the woods. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> and Chick Fil A and Chick Fil A. Yeah, he and does eat Chick Fil A. Which can I pause real quick? I I found the I found a TikTok the other day that actually gave me a good reason on why Chick Fil A has the right to be homophobic. Think about it. Think about this, okay? Mm. Chick-fil-A's number one thing that they sell <laughs> is chicken. If two it well male male chickens are roosters, right? So if two if two roosters have sex Roosters and hens, they're both chickens. Y- yes. But if roost two roosters, two male chickens have sex, we don't get any more chickens. If two hens have sex, we don't get any more chickens. So Chick-fil-A is homophobic for the only reason being that they need to have more chicken that they can sell. So It's all business. It's all money. So what you're saying is Chick-fil-A has a breeding kink. Yes. <laughs> don't all evangelicals? Yep. Yep. Like, I mean, we just mentioned the Duggars and they're not like their they whole thing. They are the ultimate... Breeding kink. It's like a generational thing. It's, yeah, the Quiverful movement in the 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. It started in the 80s, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a whole thing that we can talk about at another Ooh. time. It's it's Ooh. a very heavy topic. Or not heavy. I mean, actually, I don't even know if it's enough for an episode. I literally explained it to my friend yesterday. But there's so much within the Quiverful movement that yes. like, you can't unpack. Yeah, it's like an entire chapter that bleeds over to multiple chapters of Jesus and John Wayne. Mm. Uh, which, oh, I finally finished that fucking hell. That book is so fucking long. Ugh, it was hard. Anyways. I need to read it. 
But Kenneth. Very good. Yeah, Kenneth. Sorry, no, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll get on the audiobook of that one. Anyway, yes, yeah, no. So uh, instead of until instead of telling a story about Kenneth, uh, something that uh, we all did is that um, like a couple weeks ago at this point, maybe even three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a while. Uh, Planned Parenthood had an outdoor uh, protest pretty much all over the country yeah. uh, in order to uh, gain awareness of the bill that may or well, the it was it was put in place before yeah. the Roe v Wade stuff so it was yeah. it was just in general for abortion rights yeah it was just in general but it was amplified uh-huh. uh, afterwards because of the possible overturn of Roe v Wade in the Supreme Court and because of that instance uh you know you get all these outdoor protests of a bunch of people who are pro-choice kenneth's huh yeah a bunch of people who are like kenneth pro-choice oh sorry no 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 sorry (laughs) sorry sorry no no no. yeah yeah i'm this dyslexic bitch around here please let me have something (laughs) no uh No, so there's a bunch of people doing these, like, there's so many people outside doing outdoor protests for uh, pro-choice that you are going to get people who are uh, pro-life or people who are anti-abortion, the chemists of the world, if you will, uh, show up and uh, to these protests, but not like put themselves in the middle of the protests. Oh, they would never. No, they're off to the side with their big old banners, their big old signs. And so many, so many pictures of just, like, very awful, like, bloody fetuses. Yep. And it's disgusting. It's, it's gross. Like, it's, it's nothing but fear-mongering. Yeah. And so, I mentioned this because, um... I, I met up with Daniel at this event. Uh, I believe Bonnie went to uh, diff- a different one at a different location. But uh, I met up with Daniel. Daniel went home after a while in order to beat the traffic. I decided to stay a little bit longer because I wanted to watch uh, what would happen between, like, basically just keeping an eye out, making sure everyone was safe. Nothing got too, nothing got too rowdy. Um, between the... Uh, people who are pro-choice and the people who are anti-abortion, um, and watching the both sides and the arguments that were made, um, it was is fascinating to to see how quickly people who are purely fear-mongering and trying to scare women out of the out of getting abortions or even thinking about getting an abortion or thinking it as a viable option. If the occasion does occur where they need one, um, just within the midst of all their shouting and just purely not listening, which, I mean, it's a protest. Nobody listens to each other during a protest. Uh, I did meet one person, uh, and this person's name was Chris. Uh, and Chris was a very, very nice fella. Uh, he held a Bible, he had a sign above his head that talked about how God loved everyone, uh, but he wasn't on the side of the anti-abortion. He was on the side of the pro-choice. Uh, 
and we had just this lovely conversation about how you can really, like, you really need to see the love of God in all aspects of life and how that there's, the, like, it's our duty and our job to spread love before anything else, to love our neighbors as the most important commandment before anything else and huh. allowing, <laughs> wonder who said that one. And yeah, then, yeah. but huh. never heard that before. Yeah. Standing, huh. standing there shouting, not listening with a, with giant signs with uh, bloody fetuses on it. That's what my Jesus would have done. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not a message. That's not a message of hope. It's not a message of love. It's fear mongering at, at its core. And uh, that's why Chris was out here like, you know, trying trying his best at a bunch of screaming people, which, to be fair, at one point, people did start chanting. Um, I mean, he did join in for a lot of the chants, uh, but there was a point where people did start chanting, fuck your religion. Um, and I was thinking, in my mind, I'm comfortable uh, chanting, fuck your religion, because uh, religion is the practice and not the and not the faith behind it. It's not the, it's not the core of what one believes. It is the practices and the, um, the potential, like, gate, like, gate, their gatekeeping is a part of their religion. Their, it's how you, um, it's how you live out yeah. your faith. It is how you live out your faith. Right. That's what I was looking for. Um, but he did not want to participate in that chant, and I completely understood that aspect for someone who doesn't think of, you know, religion and faith as two separate concepts, or as a, kind of a nuanced way. Um, but other than that, like, he's just a lovely fella. He will do nothing but love and support anyone and everyone, but he will try to evangelize a little bit. But he does it. He does it truly out of a place of love, and does it truly out of a place of respect, and will doesn't try to force anything upon anyone. Will just say, "Hey, this is what I believe. If you wanna, if you wanna help or anything like that, I'm here for you. If not, that's cool too." That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, Chris no, sounds I'm... like a A plus dude. Yeah. So if you see Chris out there in the world, uh, we might tell some Chris stories. Yeah. I think it's good to mix in Chris stories with Kenneth stories. Right? I know. Yeah. We have way too many Kenneth stories to count. It just it, get, it becomes the same thing, you know, after a certain point. I'm like, Kenneth, you just do the same thing over and over again. Just a different, just a different flavor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that, that rally was pretty cool. It was, it was, a, it was a cool experience. Um, I did have a run-in with Kenneth there. Um, and then I just gave up because he was just being stupid, so. Typical Kenneth. Yeah, yeah. I got him to shut up for, like, five seconds. He, like, because I was, because, yeah, I'm not even going to go into it. But I got him to shut up for five seconds before he started spouting off different Bible verses at me. I was like, bro, I know more than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Well, um... Oh, we, we didn't do How Are You last time. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, so I did forget that we were going, that we do that now. We do that. Yeah. How are you guys? Really? How are we? Yeah. 
Uh, well, I'm doing I'm doing okay. I finished up school, uh, so that was fun. Uh, I'm taking the summer off of school, so I can just get to relax for a little bit. Finally, actually have some free time. Maybe play Dungeons and Dragons for the first time in a year. Oh, I miss it. I know. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it back with some some of my close friends, and it is epic. Yeah. Nice. Y'all are invited if you want to join too. Was that the gate campaign that I joined that one time? Yeah. Okay. That one time. Yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to continuing that. Um, there's an Avatar: The Last Airbender campaign that exists that I really want to play. I am in love with the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, and so, but the problem is is that it was a Kickstarter campaign, and because of COVID shortages, and like, you know, shipping, and stocking, and production, everything is on back order. So they're like, well, we can get it, we can get it out to people eventually, but it's going to take us a while. So it's already been delayed, like, twice. It's probably going to get delayed again, because everything's literally running at like 33%. Of what it usually runs. We can also just run the campaign that I started last time, except just keep stay in the world of Avatar. That is a possibility, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun campaign. Anyway, that's been that's I've just really think been thinking about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I like that. Um, I am not okay. I promise. I'm not okay. Uh. But no, in all seriousness, I mean, I have one week left in the semester, um, which feels nice, but then I only have a week off before summer semester starts, so dreading that. Um, Yeah, I'm mostly, I'm just tired, you know, with all the shit happening Mm -hmm. in the the news and in my personal life. It's exhausting, and I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. 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 I feel you. I feel you. That's that's where I'm at too. Is I'm just tired of living through history literally every fucking day, uh, while also just trying to go through my life. But when I look beyond that, like things are going well. Starting grad school soon. Uh, thing. Some some cool things are happening in my own life. Um, I've been finally getting like getting back on track with my my rhythm that I had going up until like probably February or March when everything just got overwhelming I got tired um and so you know things are things are slowly moving which is really cool there's a lot of exciting potential in the future um and yeah so you know at least for myself I'm I'm kind of I I I am whelmed sometimes I'm overwhelmed sometimes I'm underwhelmed I'm playing a lot of Apex been getting really good at that um, no, Jake, I've not played any Persona. I was going to yesterday, but then ended up just not having any capacity for anything. Um, you know, uh, I did find a new phone game that I have been obsessed with, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, is I, it Peggle? No, it's not Peggle. <laughs> not at all. God damn it. <laughs> I can't find anyone who's into Peggle. <laughs> you, wait, Jake wants someone who's into pegging? <laughs> yep. All right, all right. Throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, throwing, throwing it, out, it there. out there. DM Jake or, or at him on Twitter. If you like throwing balls at colored block dot shit things, yeah. I love that. That's Peggle. Nice. nice. Oh, another cool thing that's happened. Jake and I went to a new church in Orange County 
that DM'd the podcast <laughs> randomly. Yeah, they hit us up first. Yeah, they like and normally if a if it, like a pastor or a church hits us up, I'm like uh block. It's like rut row. Yeah, it's it's a red flag. But they're like, hey, you know, I kind of deduce that you guys might be around the Orange County area, and you know, like if this is not your thing, you don't have to come. But like, if you do want to come, just want to throw it out there. And it's like an invitation, just like a chill like dinner kind of thing. So I went, Gabe went, which was really cool. Um, I saw a couple people from my old church, and what was really cool was, like, this church immediately, like, I, I threw out my own testing ways because I'm still, you know, I'm still healing from trauma. But I threw out the ways that I tested old churches in the past. And, like, they accepted me with open arms. And it was, like, the first time that I've been in a place where I can be fully authentically myself, which was very beautiful. Like, I love our church in Long Beach. And also this other place, I feel like, is where that church, where our ch- Long Beach church is heading. And so, like, they're automatically affirming, like, that wasn't even a question, automatically uplifting of women and BIPOC voices and disabled folks. Like, it's been pretty rad. Uh, so that was really cool. I've, I've been enjoying going there and have been excited of getting more involved with them and kind of figuring out how to split time um, for when I have the capacity and want um, to do both the Long Beach and the Orange County spot because they're both cool spot, cool places when I do want to go to church. True. No, it was it was really dope. Yeah. Gabe Drew, um, they did it. They had a table discussion. Uh, they had a bunch of table discussions. One was on deconstruction. I was like, I'm not fucking sitting there. I talk about that enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> I talk about that every day. Yeah, honestly, all four of the tables, I was like, I talk about these all the time. I don't want to sit another table and do it, but this is great for other people. So there was like a deconstruction table, a mental health table, a diversity and inclusion table, which is where I went, and then a purity culture table. So, like, the church opened up the conversation of what has purity culture done to you and why and what should the church be doing going forward. And Gabe sat at that table. Um, and oh, we mentioned this in the podcast, I think, or in our interview with uh, with the naked pastor, where Gabe drew two balls. Mm-hmm. It is, and that, like, two, a hand grasping two balls. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I noticed after our interview with the naked pastor, they're blue balls. <laughs> I think I think David Hayward actually pointed that out and like laughed really hard at that one. Yeah. Um, so it was really it was it was it was a really cool uh, discussion, just kind of talking about what how the church needs to move forward, how they want to be sex positive, inclusive of everyone, um, be able to be an open space for people deconstructing and reconstructing, place for people to have safe mental health resources or and like the safety to explore that. So it's like it was a pretty pretty neat space to be because it's like. We get to also be in on them creating a new church because it's a church plant, and it's like also the only one in Orange County that kind of exists that I've seen so far. That's like actually, actually inclusive. I mean, it's Orange County. Yes, we live behind the what is it, the red curtain? Is red Republican? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Someone called it the red curtain before, and I thought that was really funny referencing the. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we got left is our petty prayer with Gabe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take it away, Gabe. Listen to that sweet, sweet voice. Dear Lord, I pray that the guy who I used to be in a small group with, who told me to stop cussing, loses his wedding ring in the ball pit of Charles Entertainment Cheese. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Gay men. We don't say gay men. We say Gabe men. Although this month, it can be gay men if you want. It's true. It's true. It's re- not in reference to, to Gabe because I believe <laughs> he is not gay. Yeah, I don't think he's gay. He's uh, as much as we talk about the gay agenda, we do not want to force that upon Gabe. No, 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 no. We want people to feel freedom to explore their own sexuality, whatever exactly. that looks like. Yeah, that's, that's the gay agenda. Just be straight in a gay way. Be straight yes. in a gay way. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Be straight in a gay way. Okay, we should put that on a shirt. <laughs> be straight. <laughs> that, that's that for all of our shirt. allies. Yep. That that is a, actually a really good that, idea. Honestly, I the ultimate that. allies are straight in a gay way. Yes. Exactly. What what does that look like? Like I, I'm genuinely curious. Uh well it would be like non toxic masculinity, being okay. able to appreciate people. Oh yeah. Uh Ryan Reynolds, I think, is a good example of being straight in a gay way. Yeah, being in a heteronormal normative uh, relationship, but okay. uh, I, I guess it's just because I watched the uh, the uh, my next guest needs no introduction, David Letterman. Oh, okay. Interview with him, and he talks yeah. about how reliant he is on his wife, and how uh, he's like, I truly, truly cannot do anything without her. Yeah, he's a good man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's pretty awesome. If you're married, be if you are are if you are a husband. Married to a beautiful wife. Be gay for your wife. Mm. Or to your girlfriend or boyfriend or yep. whatever friend. Yep. I, I was just stri- talking to the straight man. Only oh, to the straight yeah, man on that yeah, one. Because yeah. the gays already have it patted down for yeah. the most part. Which I'm curious on how many straight men actually listen to our podcast. If you do, nice. Body's like Actually, mine. no. I know one. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay. I do. Okay. I do. Wow. Oh, I know two. I know three. I know three. Okay, hi for all four of you. Yeah, all four of you. Be straight you. in a gay way. Be straight in a gay way. Be straight in a gay way. And to everyone else, be gay, do crime. Be gay, do crime. But not actual crimes, because if you do a crime and someone finds out that you heard us saying that here, we are not legally responsible for you being an idiot. And um, my mom, Miss Mary, will be mad at you. Yes. Oh, she you don't hates want, that yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't ever want to do anything that makes your mom mad at me. Oh, it's scary. Yeah, I, it, it sounds scary. I think I'd be more scared of your dad being mad. Mm, no, because my dad, it's like his angry is angry. My mom is like a quiet anger. Oh. And that's... Yeah, I don't like that. That's... I don't like that. Gives me more anxiety. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. They're both just very kind individuals. They are. They never get angry. Yeah. Like, like that. And also, I'm a perfect child, so I have nothing to mm-hmm. worry about. Yeah. Full yeah. disclosure. Disclosure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I'm uh, somehow the only child in my family and still the least favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. She literally adopts every other one of Jake's friends and says, "You're our children now," and like they love us all more. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Is it though? Yeah. Okay. It's a funny joke because I know that I'm perfect anyway. And well, I'm... you're also the only one who gets Christmas presents and birthday presents. They let you live with them. Yeah, they let it's you live with true. them. True, I do get to live with them, which is a bonus. Every time I want to take someone home, I'm like, hey, 
welcome to my parents' house. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's fine up to a certain point. You know, that's okay. Depends on what you're taking them home for. If it's dinner, then cool. Exactly. My dad's spaghetti unmatched. I I I need to try it. I'll 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 be the judge of that. I would have hoped at some point during this entire rant we would have faded out into the outro. No, maybe it's during yet. this portion where I'm <laughs> ranting about fading out into the outro. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Angsty Christian Podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Angsty Christian Pod. And if you really, really like our show and you want to support us, make sure to go over to our Patreon. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, thank you, Mom. And become one of our backers. And if you would like to email us about literally anything, you hate us, you like us, you want to be with us, whatever, I don't care, email us at angstychristianpodcast at gmail.com. Also realize when I said that, it sounds like you want to be in a relationship with us. Well, two of us are single, but please don't. That's weird. I'll hold your hand. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, all music is done by Brad Tsushima. He is a homie. Thank you so much, Brad. We love you. Recording in progress. I don't know how long this has been recording. This is really funny, though. Anyways, this is being recorded. I'm here early. This is actually extra funny. <laughs> what should I do to specifically mess with whoever's editing this audio? Which is Daniel. I know it's Dan. Unless he sends it off, um, sends it off to uh, be processed in a uh, third world country or something. I don't know. Um, See, I can be just as offensive as possible. Like, I can say things like, what if, what if hypothetically, I hated gay people? <laughs> Uh-oh. I am the only one here. I'm the only one here. Ooh! I'm the only one. Do-do.